Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Jimmy Check Podcast, the Miami Herald. Jimmy Butler podcast, because that's where we got to start uh, this episode. I'm joined this week uh, once again by Barry Jackson, uh, columnist here at the Miami Herald. I'm David Wilson. Um, Barry, we were a little premature on our offseason talk last week, I guess, um, because since we talked three straight wins for the Heat, um, frankly, the most astonishing individual performance I can remember in the playoffs. Um, you know, bigger stakes, of course, have happened, but just in terms of a an upset I did not see coming and one single player willing his team to that, uh, I can never – I can't recall anything like what we saw from Jimmy Butler over these last couple of weeks. So now the Heat into the second round of the playoffs uh, for the third time in four years, going to play the Knicks. We'll obviously get into that. Barry, you were around for those uh, 90s Knicks-Heat battles that uh, obviously everyone has been kind of reminiscing on over the last – 24 hours or not even 12 hours since since he since that matchup became official um but as i said we we got to start with jimmy butler because i i mean i don't even know what to say I, I can't remember ever seeing one individual you know the only other comparison i can think of is was that the lebron when they uh the cat lebron calves when they um and they didn't even win that series, but what they stole game one from, from golden state, or I think they even lost that game uh, with the, the JR gaff. Uh, I can never remember just one guy single-handedly putting his team su- such an overmatched on paper, at least team um, putting a team on his back and, and getting his team to a win. Like we, not, not just one win for the heat, two wins. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't even like have any smart stuff to say other than that was incredible. <laughs> Well, I think it reinforces the belief that we've gradually come to conclude over the last few years, which is Jimmy Butler is not merely a top 20 player in the NBA. When Jimmy Butler is in the playoffs, he is without question a top five player in the NBA, as good as any player you would want on your team in the postseason. And so I think the perception of him, David, and his legacy has clearly been enhanced dramatically so by these last four years. I mean, he was always going to be a Hall of Fame player and regarded as one of the NBA's better two-way players. But it's not doing him justice to say, oh, Jimmy Butler's a top 15 to 20 player. He's far better than that. Uh, if you measure a player's value by how he performs in the most meaningful of moments. But in this series, not only to average 37 a game when he doesn't have a ton of offensive mm-hmm. help after losing Tyler Hero, but to do it on 60% shooting is remarkable. And even more remarkable is to do it against defenders the caliber of Drew Holiday and Giannis. Uh, against uh, Holiday in this series, he was 26 for 46. Nine assists, three yeah. turnovers. To shoot 57% against a two-time All-NBA defensive guard. Now, admittedly, Holiday is two inches shorter than Jimmy, but that's uh, just incredible production. And then against Giannis, 
Uh, Butler shot six for seven against him. So uh, it, it's there, there's no way to overstate what Jimmy did in this series. And also, of course, defending on the other end, uh, taking on Giannis for stretches, taking on Holiday, taking on other Bucks players, and to do it with a supporting cast that, frankly, without Hero, mm-hmm. you know, is probably a lottery-type supporting cast, some might have said, during the regular season I mean, after watching this team. was one loss away from being in the lottery. Exactly, right. So I think any thought of moving Jimmy Butler to rebuild, which is something I think the Heat likely would not have done, but could have conceivably considered had they lost that playing game to Chicago, I think that's totally out the window now. There's no question you keep Jimmy because you know with Jimmy, and it's been reinforced over these last two weeks, there is a championship window. And without Jimmy, you lose that championship window. Yeah. So you just have to say, you know what? We're going to be paying him $55 million when he's 35 in three years, but we do it because this four-year ride warrants it. He deserves it. He gives us our best chance to be a relevant franchise in May and June. Yeah, Jimmy Butler, six-time All-Star, four-time All-NBA, third-team, never first-team All-NBA, never second-team All-NBA. That does not do, uh, as you said, his, his resume justice because these, um, you know, we obviously, Anthony and I have talked about it a, a bunch that, you know, the, the Buck series two years ago was not great when they got knocked out of the first round. But other than that, he has not had a bad moment in the postseason once for the Heat. You know, there have been some series that they won not singular because singularly because of him, but uh, in the most important games, um, he has always been not just the best player in the Heat, but the best player on the floor. Like you can even go back to the Lakers finals when he was on the floor with Anthony Davis and LeBron, and, and he was the best player in that series. Um, in the Celtics series last year, at least, you know, it was, that was a weird one where kind of the wins, the losses, he was invisible, but just kind of geared it up for the wins. And then obviously Including the game seven, six win in Boston, and, which was and, epic. Game, and game seven, which they lost. He was the best player on the floor in that series. And, you know, I know Giannis was hurt, um, but there's no question who the best player was on the floor in, in round one this year. And that is, you know, how many, how often do you hear like, the best play when you talk about when you break down an NBA series, it's hard to pick against the team that has the best player on the floor. And in now, I guess how many series he's played eight, not 10 series, 10 playoff series, I think for the heat, he's been the best player on the floor for nine of them. And that is yeah. it. That, that's unbelievable for a guy who, I mean, that that's why you pay him that kind of money, right? Like you're that it's worth it. He's, been better than LeBron. He's been better than Giannis. He's been better than Jason Tatum. Um, I'm not saying he's better players than all those guys. If you go over the course of an 82 game regular season, obviously, but in the playoffs, he has been better than those guys in, in every one of those series, except for the Bucks series, which is now just kind of a crazy outlier. Like it, it makes no sense. That make that's the one that makes no sense based on what we've seen otherwise from Jimmy Butler and this, this run he's had in Miami. And a couple other things to keep in mind. It's one thing to score 56 and 42 points in consecutive games. It's yeah. another thing to do it under these pressure stakes when all of the baskets are needed. None of these were empty points. Without this 56, they like wouldn't obviously Monday. And right, like and, they, and, and really five right. is like, that makes it sound bigger than it was. Right, exactly. And the play, obviously, to force the game to, uh, to overtime was a tremendous pass 
by Vincent out of bounds and for Butler to be able to seal off Holiday to be able to create leverage. I know some people said maybe it was an offensive foul. I didn't see it that way. He was just able with his strength and his ability to carve out a spot on the floor. He was able to get positioning yeah. to attempt that shot late in regulation to tie and then to be able to make the basket while falling down. It is just incredible. I would say from an historical perspective in South Florida sports, you would have to say Jimmy and Dwayne are the best postseason players in South Florida sports history. LeBron obviously is in that discussion. Those are your top three. I guess uh, the Jimmy-LeBron comparison is difficult in this sense. LeBron's postseason in his first year with the Heat against Dallas was such a disappointment. Yeah. But then obviously he helped lead the Heat to championships, which Butler hasn't. But LeBron had far better talent around him. So you could make the argument LeBron or Jimmy postseason. Uh, you could make a strong argument either way. But regardless, I would say safe to say Jimmy Butler, Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, in whatever order, top three postseason performers uh, in Heat history, with Josh Beckett uh, obviously getting mentioned there, yeah, and some seventy-two Marlins in there, yeah, <laughs> right, Levon. some seventy-two Dolphins, exactly, Levon <laughs> Hernandez. But obviously, with Beckett and Levon, there were snippets. With Butler, there's been, as you mentioned, a sustained run in the bubble, and then last year to carry a team that probably didn't have talent worthy of being a seventh game in the Eastern mm-hmm. Conference Finals. Uh, it's just been remarkable. And and it leaves you also with the impression that more than ever, you need to get him help next year, yeah. another big-time scorer. Uh, and I always scoffed when people said over the last two years, you're wasting Jimmy Butler's best years only because I think there are 15 or so franchises, perhaps even more, who could say that about their best player. But for the first time, I really feel like they cannot waste it. I'm not going to say they have, because they've had two deep playoff runs. Yeah, they've gone to the final, one shot away from another one. Exactly. It's hard to win in the NBA. It's not supposed to be. So I don't think they've wasted his years. But moving forward, you can't waste it. You need to make an attempt to get a a legitimate star alongside him this offseason. I think they will. Yeah, and, and who doesn't want to play with him now, right? Like he is. I mean, you're obviously like Joel Embiid has always been like, but like just seeing the way he's tweeting about him, seeing the way all these NBA stars are, are watching this, like, you know, the Heat, I think two weeks ago, were not going to be uh, a hot destination anymore. Like, they, you know, they're Miami, so they're always a hot destination. It's Pat Riley. It's always a hot destination, but he's elevate like how could you watch us and not want to be part of this um, it's a great point and you think of all the teams for example that could pursue Lillard if he asked for a trade Toronto's been mentioned Brooklyn's been mentioned and Lillard last night tweeted about Jimmy it was it was a comical uh, a tweet uh but Lillard watching this how can he not want to be a part yeah. of this compared to a Brooklyn or a Toronto. So this run will only enhance the Heat's chances of getting a star free agent, you would think, this offseason. And it reinforces uh, this franchise's excellence. Mm-hmm. I think there was a bit of the culture that was lost this season, uh, probably the most exasperating Heat season that we've witnessed in years. And I think what they lost has been regained, even if they lose to the Knicks in a long, hard-fought series. I think this absolutely changes the way this Heat season will be perceived. Yeah, and the Heat, I, should, I was just looking at the odds. They are—they're an underdog, obviously. It's a five seed against a nine or eight seed, but um, they're the smallest underdog of round two. So, like the the odds makers have flipped on this Heat team, where the Heat were still barely favorites going into Game Five of Round One. Now. Um, 
they're barely underdogs to make the Eastern Conference Finals, which is like crazy to think about considering where we were literally last week talking about this team. Um, I want to go back to some of the historical perspective behind this. Um, you know, I think game four is the crowning achievement for Jimmy Butler in this series. Um, I think the only comparison I can think of from an individual game in Heat history is maybe LeBron game six, right, against the Celtics. Stakes right. are higher, but I think just the individual excellence and um, degree of difficulty probably tougher for, for Jimmy Butler in game and, four. And, and the way and then, close out in Dallas, obviously, yeah, to win the And the way out. close out. And then I was going to say the bit – the. The signature series in Heat history is Wade against the Mavs in 06. Um, again, higher stakes, but um, you know, he had Shaq on that team. <laughs> like right. the degree of difficulty for this again, you know, I know that was a finals game, but the Bucks were a title favorite. Um, so the the challenge was still pretty high. And and again, I think the supporting cast, like to me, again, I wasn't covering the Heat in 06. I'm not from Miami, so I, I don't have that same emotional attachment to the Dwayne Wade run in 06, but I, that that Jimmy performance to me, I think the individual game is it's hard to, you know, it stands right up there with, with every performance that Heat has ever had in the playoffs, and I, I think that series, again, knowing the stakes were higher in 06 with Dwayne Wade, but like this, this Heat fans are rooting against this team in the playing game like two weeks ago, like this it came so far out of nowhere, um, and was again we're talking about Tyler Hero's hurt. We haven't even mentioned that uh, Victor Oladipo. You know, I know he wasn't the most important piece, but the still an important piece and a traumatic injury two nights before, and the Heat comes back and, and Jimmy puts together that game. Um, to me, that this is like, uh, I don't think there's a right answer now on on whether, like, there's no clear right answer of of whether it's Wade or. Wade in the finals or or Jimmy in round one. Again, the stakes are different, but just degree of difficulty. It's well, I think just, it just stands right up there. Yeah, I, I'm with you. It's hard to say who would be number one. Uh, just from historical perspective standpoint, nobody except Michael Jordan, Jerry West, and Elgin Baylor yeah. has <laughs> as many points in consecutive games as Jimmy has done the last two with 98 points. Jordan one scored 112 in two in a row. Jerry West was 101. And then also the the Heat generally wins these epic Butler games. Miami is seven and one in the playoffs. Yeah. Butler scores forty or more. Uh, that compares to twenty six and twelve for Michael Jordan, eighteen and ten for LeBron. So not only is Jimmy uh, doing this, scoring at these enormous levels, but he's doing it almost always in wins. Yeah, I mean he's got that. How often do people get frustrated by his? passivity sometimes but he's he's very much like he just that makes the winning play right like that's he turns it on when he needs to he makes the pass when he needs to and, and i think that number kind of sums up that idea um what about the shot i mean it's hard to compete with uh ray allen in game six but the the but the game winner there uh or game tire i should say to send it to overtime i mean i that's one of the craziest shots I've seen, probably not the most important in heat history, but definitely one of the craziest shots uh, I think you would put on the, on the list of all timers. Yeah. And, and such a hard shot to be able to convert when you're falling down, not even to mention, uh, mention the pressure at that time with your team, obviously down and half a second left, but that play also epitomizes what they got from the supporting cast. Yeah. These last two games, that pass from Vincent, was exceptional. I'm not sure how many NBA players would successfully complete that 
uh, on both ends from a Vincent standpoint and from a Butler standpoint. And what Gabe gave them last night, I thought was just terrific. Obviously the 22 points, the huge three to cut it from mm-hmm. four to a one point game in the final seconds, or else we'd be talking about a game six on Friday. His defense on holiday was great. Uh, holiday was underwhelming these last couple games. Uh, he had a magnificent season. Drew Holiday, but just four for 11 on a 16-point night last night with two two turnovers. Uh, Gabe was a big part of that. And also contributions from Love should not be overlooked. The 15 points, the 12 boards, some timely threes, uh, and the way Bam played in the fourth quarter. I know everybody was frustrated with his first three quarters. (laughs) Right, right. But obviously, and, and folks have talked about this, but the big key last night was this was an excellent move by Spo, executed to perfection by Bam and Jimmy, to, but that, but that Bam get the team into yeah. offense with. Yeah, that's where I wanted to go next because yes, Spoh, yeah, let's, the Spoh let, let's talk about that. How, how much of a work of art was that for the, Jimmy to get the team into offense and make absolute pinpoint passes to Butler? That shows the uniqueness of Bam, not only the switchability, but to be able to get a team at six nine into offense and make those types of passes uh, in the interior for layups is really a sight to behold. Yeah. Spo kind of pantsed Bud last night. Like there was, I mean, obviously the timeouts on Budenholzer's part was kind of like abominable. Um, not calling a timeout after Bam or after Jimmy ties the game with fractions of a second left. But then the last possession, they had two timeouts and instead don't even get a shot off with Grayson Allen uh, Euro stepping into eternity. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that the, the Switch they made there, it, like Giannis was a total non-factor. Def- I mean, he had the ball in his hands, obviously, every possession on offense down the stretch. But defensively, he was nowhere near the like important moments there because the Heat were totally managed to take him out of the game. And, and as you mentioned, like, yes, it's the uniqueness of Bam, but it's also, you know, how many coaches, even good coaches, like, are just, like, if you have a player like Jimmy, it's just like, give him the ball, let him, like, don't get in the way, let him... Uh, let him cook, let him make the decisions. You trust your superstar. Um, and Spo has never been like that, right? Even with LeBron, like he would push back against LeBron. And then the and then obviously credits like the Heat for fully buying into that, where um, you know, not every you know, how many great players would if if they were on the kind of heater that Jimmy was, would just be bringing the ball up and chucking up shots and trying to go ISO. Like the Heat were fully committed to the the game plan there and the switch was, I mean, that it kind of won the game because they were. I yeah, mean, they were and they made Lopez Yeah, absolutely. During that stretch, it got the heat back from ten down with yeah. Bam running offense to Jimmy. Yeah, results brought, Lo- brought Lopez out to the perimeter and exactly. the is nowhere near the play. Right, and you mentioned Budenholzer. I would think he probably would have to be at some sort of risk with his job at yeah. this point because there were so many questionable decisions. Uh, you mentioned one, David, about not calling a timeout late. Also, not having Lopez in the game to defend the gave to Jimmy Butler inbound. Uh, yeah, right. In the like, I, second. Like, I like them putting Giannis on the ball, which, by the way, made that game pass incredible. But yes, the fact that he had to float right point. over Giannis on the ball. But yeah, you got to have you got another seven footer you can stick right. Right. There. And he was asked about that afterward. Budenholzer said, well, they went small, so we decided to go small. But you do wonder if Lopez would have been at all deterrent on that Butler shot. to yeah, tie. didn't accept that, yeah. Yeah, and then obviously not calling timeout late where the Bucks didn't even get a shot. So, yes, yeah, Spo out coach Budenholzer. There's no <laughs> question about it. Spo pushed a lot of right buttons in the series. Going to Kevin Love as a starter in Game mm-hmm. 3 clearly worked. Uh, bringing uh, Duncan Robinson out of mothballs certainly helped. 
Uh, using Haywood Highsmith for a combined 17 minutes the last two games helped. I know going into last night, the Bucks had shot four for 14 against Haywood. He played three minutes last night. And one interesting thing is Caleb Martin had played down the stretch key fourth quarter minutes in every game yeah. since the All-Star break, and it didn't happen last night until, obviously, there were foul problems with uh, both Love and Bam and Lowry fouling out. So, obviously, uh, Caleb got in for overtime, but down the stretch, he wasn't in the game yeah. just because Spo had uh, a multitude of appealing options last night in terms of guys playing well uh, with Kevin Love, with Vincent, with Lowry. Uh, and I thought Spo adjusted on the fly really well. But I think his signature decision of this series was having Bam get the team into offense late because that completely changed the uh, tenor of the game in the closing moments last night, yeah. I thought. Yeah, Caleb, I, I was kind of shocked when I looked at the box where he's minus 21, by far the worst on the team last night. So it was After uh, plus 75, the first yeah, four. I know, like it was crazy. So, yeah, I mean, another another smart move by Spo. And that's, I guess, kind of, a, that's a little bit of the luxury when you only really have two and a half stars or like, I don't know what you want to call Kyle Lowry, but you got two stars and then kind of everyone else is interchangeable pieces. And, um, you know, Spo loves that, right? I mean, I'm sure he loved that oh, yeah. hero also, but he loves to have where you can play a totally different rotation, not just series to series, but game to game. And and we saw that uh, throughout this series. Like Kyle Lowry, you know, good moments throughout the, the series too. That was important, right? Like that was, he was kind of the anchor on this team in a lot of ways, not living up to the contract. And, you know, he still is not playing like a whatever million dollar player he is, but gave them positive minutes throughout the series. Yeah, it's been that way these last three games. Obviously, 15 yeah. points, 10 points last night. I do agree with what Spo says that he stabilizes them. He's a common yeah. influence. Uh, turnovers have been low. Uh, able to get the team into offense. Able to play well with Gabe. And defensively, he was one of the pests in the fourth quarter of Monday's uh, yeah. incredible comeback. He forced some turnovers there. So Lowry has made himself into an asset into a positive in the series. And also, I want to mention something that went a little under the radar last night. Max Truce obviously didn't have any sort of big scoring night. Two for six mm -hmm. from the field, eight points yeah. a second, consecutive quiet night. But he was there for key rebounds late. Uh, had the, one of the best blocks I've ever seen from like a six foot four or shorter guy. Bingo. Right. And he couldn't help but grin after that block. <laughs> and then, of course, drawing the foul from Giannis. I don't know if there was a little acting there in overtime. That felt like a little bit of a makeup for that Middleton call right before. Yes, it, pro it probably <laughs> was. But, uh, but that ended up being a huge play because it uh, blunted the momentum of a mini Bucks rally in the final minutes. And then Gabe was able to go the line and hit two or three free throws. So even though. Uh, it was eight points for Struess over the last couple of games. Uh, Max being able to make the rebounds late in the game, and then obviously hitting two of the three free throws late, and the block that David just mentioned, uh, he shouldn't be overlooked. So it really was uh, a team effort. And one thing I wanted to say about Bam is it's difficult to judge him in this particular series for two reasons. One, Lopez is just such an unusual matchup for him unlike most of what else he faces. And the other thing is we're not sure how much of an impact the hamstring yeah. is having on his offensive game. I know there was one sequence last night where we saw it seemingly affecting his lift. Uh, he does say that it's bothering him. He says he's getting 24-hour treatment, so we know it's a factor. What we don't know is how much of a factor it is uh, in his jumper being off 
and his lift off the floor. It looks like it's a factor with his lift. Obviously, we don't know that with certainty. And I'm not saying this is making excuses for Bam because I've been as frustrated as probably a lot of fans about the offensive uh, inefficiency and the offensive numbers declining since the All-Star break, as well as the increase in turnovers. But I do think we can't make a definitive judgment off him off the series because of those two factors. Now, all that being said, he's going to have a few days to rest. Let's see him dominate the Knicks and get back to the guy who is 22 and 12 as opposed to the 16 and 8 guy we had seen in the playoffs until last night when, when he was able to do 20, 10, and 10. Yeah. And I know Spo winces when we all talk about numbers with Bam, and that's a valid point because so much of what he does is not tangible in terms of able to switch and effectively defend players of all different sizes. He's an excellent screen setter which set heat jump shooters, including Duncan, free Mm -hmm. for a lot of key baskets over these last two games. So we shouldn't overlook that. We shouldn't judge him just on the offense. But at the same time, I can understand the fan frustration when he opens games two for nine. Yeah, the problem with him is he's really, I mean, the Draymond Green comparison gets thrown out a lot, right? He is Draymond Green, essentially. But he also has to play the role. But he has to play the role also of Clay Thompson, right? Like, Jimmy's your step, but you you only have two stars. And so... Bam gets cast into the role. You know, those two guys both have to take on more. Jimmy has obviously done that in this postseason and throughout postseasons over of years past. Um, and Bam, who's probably just not, you know, he's not that type of offensive player, has to be both a defensive player of the year candidate and a number two scoring option, especially with Tyler Hero out. Um, I, I mean, I, he was awesome last night. I know not, you know, not a perfect series from him, but he, I mean, when Jimmy's going off like that, that's, you you don't need much more than that from Bam. I thought he was in the down the stretch of the series, ultimately very good for this team. And um, like, like you said, doing it maybe with an injury, we don't know exactly the severity. Um, the Knicks series should be a more favorable matchup. I think for him, they've got Mitchell Robinson, who's a seven footer, but otherwise it's, uh, you know, Julius Randall, Obi Toppin. Those are their big guys. Like it's, it's the size matchup is a little bit better for Bam. Um, so I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm excited for round two. Um, and unless you have any more final thoughts on, on what we saw last night and over the last couple of nights, we should move on to it. Yeah. I would just say people will always remember this is one of the biggest upsets in NBA history. To me, the only other one in the conversation in my lifetime is the, we believe warriors, right? Like, yes, I guess the Knicks Knicks were an eight seed that one year. That was a lockout year. So the bulls were without Derek Rose in the Philadelphia Chicago series 11 yep. years ago. And it's hard to think of a team season where your view of it is reshaped almost entirely by a two-week playoff series where everyone would have viewed this heat season as such a letdown, such a disappointment, screaming uh, for an overhaul. Uh, and now we view it entirely differently. This season, uh, even if it ends in six or seven games against the Knicks, and I don't necessarily think that it will, yeah. I don't think you can view the season any longer as a disappointment. You can't say that it was an incredible success if they lose against the Knicks, but you can't say that it was a huge disappointment because the enormity of what they accomplished against the Bucks is historic, and it brought, what, 15 hours of joy to South Florida sports fans. I mean, even if they had lost that, that series, from the just that one Jimmy game almost made it worth it, right? Like, exactly. even if they had gone on and lost the next three, I mean, blowing a 3-1 lead would have been brutal, but 
uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the immediate joy, the, the high of a game like that, like that's what you do it for, right? Like only no one question. team wins a, only one team wins a championship every year. Like, and it probably won't be the heat. Like, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if they go to the East finals. Um, and then, you know, heat Celtics, it feels like a seven game series to me. It it would. And, and um, by the way, how many people, David in Boston and Philly are now tweeting or saying to a friend, oh hey, why isn't the NBA reseed? Well, they don't <laughs> just accept it. It's the only sport where you don't reseed and that's fine. Don't complain about it. Boston fans, you'd have to see Philadelphia and Embiid at some point anyway. Probably Philly fans, you'd have to get through Boston. I think at some I, point I, anyway. I got to think Boston fans are more scared of the Heat than they are of the Sixers. Like that very well could I, be. I don't think they fear the Sixers. I think they fear Jimmy Butler. Yes, yes. I, I just think it's incredible that we're here at the end of April and <laughs> the Knicks or the Heat is assured of being in the Eastern Conference Finals. It always uh, happens during a like year that, yeah. when everyone said, look how top heavy it is with Boston and Milwaukee and Philly, and then this huge drop off, and one of the final two teams will not be one of those three teams. But Knicks-Cavs, I think, is going to – or Knicks-Heat, I should say, is going to be interesting just because of how different it is from the way that we historically remember Knicks-Heat series yeah. with those slowed-down, brute-strength, physical games, scores in the 80s and 90s. And now we're seeing a Heat team that's been the league's best offensive team in postseason, <laughs> which has been stunning considering yeah, they were, I mean, they were a low-scoring team, bad team in during the season. And, of course yeah. – Spo has always reminded us, well, look at our offensive numbers since the All-Star break. And he's right. They were top half of the league offensive mm -hmm. team since the All-Star break. Top team in the league offensively this postseason. And a Knicks team that's just been an offensive juggernaut mm -hmm. for the most part over the last two and a half months, just putting up huge point totals, rolling through teams. The big question heading into this series, David, I think, is Julius Randle's availability. And even if he is available, how limited will he be by an ankle injury that uh, sent him out of the game? On Wednesday night against the Cavs, New York series clinching win in Cleveland last night, Randall re-aggravated an ankle injury that he originally sustained against the Heat in March. He missed five games at that time. Uh, he limped off the court last night. So we'll see if uh, if he has a similar timetable to the initial aggravation of the injury where he missed five games. Then we're looking at him potentially missing two games of this series because there is a long break between game two and game three. So the question is, will the Knicks have Randall for the games on Sunday afternoon at one and Tuesday night? And if they do have him, how effective he'll be. Uh, but I would say without Randall, the Heat has more material on Sunday. If you do have Randall on the court, then the Knicks probably would factoring in the absence of hero. Yeah. Uh, your 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 view of this is what are the teams in your mind talent wise comparable if the Knicks have Randall or yeah, I, I think as you mentioned I think if Hero was in there I would say this is like a total toss up I mean I I mean how we were we were talking about these teams competing for the five seed like what four weeks ago or whatever like this these teams were really really even until the Heat lost a couple down the stretch uh, and the Knicks got hot um, take any random sample size from any any two week sample size from any point in this season. And you could go either way on this series, the hero factor, obviously that's the heat's third best player and he's not playing and it's hard to win in the playoffs when you lose a guy like that. Um, of course the Randall injury, maybe you know, if, if Rand I, I, I don't want to go with the same narrative we had where we're like, you got to steal the games when Giannis is out. Um, but it, that's obviously important. If Randall misses some time, 
Um, you know, they need Jimmy to be excellent. They don't probably need to be quite as excellent as he was in the Bucks series, right? The Bucks are a much better team than the Knicks, no matter what Giannis looked like uh, toward the end of this series. Um, so it's hard to, you know, you can't count out the Heat, obviously. I think with Hero out, they're a clear underdog. The talent gap is probably just a little bit. I mean, you look at some of the role players for the Knicks, Josh Hart, RJ Barrett, like Obi Toppin, those guys are all playing well. They're all like they would be starters for the Heat for the most part, those that group of guys, right? Um, they're a little deeper. I think top, you know, if you just take top two versus top two, the Heat, the Heat have the edge, right? I mean, as good as right. Jerry, uh, Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle were this year, Jimmy is spectacular and Bam, uh, you know, even if he's, you know, comparable to those other two guys, you've got Jimmy and, and that puts you over the top. So when, you know, when you feel like you got the two best guys in the series, you usually have a pretty good shot. I worry about the hero injury if that's going to come back to bite them at some point, but maybe that won't be till the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, that wouldn't be a shock at all. I'm not sure they have the two best players. Yeah, I don't know if they have the two best. Brunson has best. been so good this year. And Randall obviously, is, you know, 25 yeah, point they game certainly guy. have the best, and then the other three, I would say, are all pretty comparable. Without question, right. Uh, but the Knicks have both the best player acquired in free agency last offseason in Brunson, and arguably the best player acquired at the trade deadline with Josh Hart, if not the he's best, he's certainly done. one of the best with the way he's played for them, which has just been uh, exceptional. I know Thibodeau has called Josh Hart a playmaker, but he says not in the traditional sense of being a passer. He says mm. he's a playmaker in that he does whatever you need, whatever time it's needed. And you've heard Spo make that comment about Bam and other players. Him. Exactly, right. So Hart obviously has greatly helped their team. It was already a good team without him. Yeah. Uh, but he's been a huge component. A couple variables with the Knicks in this series. One, what R.J. Barrett are you getting? Sometimes yeah. there are wide disparities in his shooting performances. He played well in the closeout game last night, shooting 7 for 13 on a 21-point night. But you'll also get some 3 for 11 nights from Barrett. So what Barrett will the Knicks get is a huge factor in the series. And also, Mitchell Robinson has proven to be a very competent, uh, skilled, uh, shot-blocking NBA center. 18 boards last night. He's maximized his abilities. He shouldn't be as difficult to match up for Bam as Brooke Lopez was, but you'd like to see the Heat get a clear edge out of that matchup. If Robinson plays Bam to a draw, most nights are out plays Bam, then then, then there's going to be trouble. Uh, And then the other variable for the Knicks, other than those two players and Randall's health, I think is Quickly, who made a strong case, Manuel Quickly, Mm -hmm. uh, made a strong case this year for sixth man. Uh, lightning quick, able to ignite a team off the bench. Uh, so you have to make sure that he doesn't get off on you more than once in this series. He was five for 15, yeah. 19 points in the closeout game last night, and he's had a bunch of big games for the Knicks off the bench. So he would be uh, their other factor. It's not an overwhelming bench. It's last night, for example, they used quickly McBride, Hartenstein, and Obi Toppin, who you mentioned, and Toppin played well with 12 points last night. Obviously, they've got... Quentin Grimes, who would be part of that rotation, he started some. You could start him and bring Josh Hart off the bench. He was out with a shoulder contusion last night. And two of their better-known reserves on their team aren't even playing. Evan Fournier and Derrick Rose have been healthy scratches for weeks Mm -hmm. and weeks for the most part. 
Yeah. Uh, what's, what in your mind is the key from a Heat perspective? We talked about the Knicks roster. Who has to play well beyond, obviously, Jimmy and Bam for the Heat, in your view, David? Well, to me, I think it's going to be – I think a lot of it's about controlling the pace, right? The Knicks want to get up and down. The Heat, as you mentioned, have been a good offensive team since the All-Star break, but they still want to play a little slower, especially in the playoffs where Jimmy and Bam control the offense. Um, I mean, they need the shooters to show up, right? If you're not going to have Tyler Hero uh, – scoring punch you've got to make up for that somewhere they've gotten that one from jimmy obviously but two they've been good three-point shooting team uh for these last three games uh obviously duncan was spectacular um you know as you kyle lowry's given them enough out there i mean jimmy jimmy's three-point shooting we didn't even talk about that he had i looked it up he had seven games in his heat career with three plus three-pointers before the series and has had now three in the last week um so i that Anthony and I spent so much of the season talking about where the, was the th- shooting going to regress back to the mean in a positive direction for this team. I think they got to shoot it well. They got to control the tempo. I think Jimmy will be able to do that. I think the question of whether their defense can, you know, you're not going to shut them down, right? They're a great offensive team, but if they can get them, just knock them off a little bit, just, just get them playing a little slower. I think that these teams contrast in that way. I think who whatever team can kind of control the tempo of the game, the pace of the game is is going to have a really big edge. Um, and I would add this one thing too: uh, they have to contain the dribble, which is something that yeah. he has had trouble with. Obviously, Lowry has lost something from that standpoint. Yep. Uh, Gabe is more effective uh, keeping guys off dribble, but obviously Brunson and quickly are really good at that. So they can't consistently be beaten off the dribble yeah. in this series. By the way, Butler, you were asking about threes. Uh, ended up 12 for 27 on threes in the series. So he's able to raise his three-point game in the postseason. He's kind of done it case, like over here. Season. It's not an outlier. I mean, that, that's, right. I think, higher than it's been, but he takes the threes and he makes them a lot more in the playoffs. So Exactly. Even against Atlanta last year, he was seven for 16 on threes in the yeah. first round. Yeah. So, yeah, he's a better three-point shooter in postseason. So I'm guessing a long series, six or seven games, not sure who's going to win, but would not be surprised by either team winning. Yeah, I feel the same way. Um, all right. I think we can close things out there. Uh, you can follow Barry on Twitter at FLA sports buzz. You'll be in the building. Uh, I guess we won't be back in Miami for till next Saturday, right? They play two right Saturday New York and then, and then Monday, May 8th. So, um, yeah, we'll be back with another episode after the first two games of this series. I think we'll have Anthony Chang back on next week. He's traveling again. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DB Wilson too. I will be at the Panthers game on Friday. We'll see if I'm going up. If I have to go up to Boston for a game seven on Sunday, um, either way, uh, fun times in South Florida sports. Um, and it was looking pretty dark there for a couple of days. So kind of a crazy flip we had here. Um, but anyway, thanks as always for listening and we will talk to you guys next week.